church, Ethan here. And if you haven't figured this out yet, I am out of town this weekend. I'm actually up in Chicago where I've been hanging out, writing songs, and leading worship with my friends here at Harvest Bible Chapel. And all that means is that I'm not going to be able to be there with you guys to lead worship. But I believe that y'all are going to be blessed by the guy that I've chosen to come down and lead worship for you guys. His name is Darian Sanders, and he's originally from Lexington, Kentucky, but now lives in Louisville. And he has been kind of a staple around our area for a long time. He's led worship at places like Southland and Southeast and Northeast. And right now, kind of his full-time thing is he is actually on the touring company of the play The Lion King. So when I was able to get him to come down and lead worship for me this week, I was so happy because I know that he has a great heart for the local church and that he has some just a very amazing gift that God's given him. And I know that y'all are going to be blessed by that today. So welcome, Darian, and I will see you guys next week. Welcome. I am not Darian. Um, and I can tell you from experience, when I first started coaching, he was in Lexington and I was in Lexington. An amazing voice. Talk about using your gifts uh, for a joyful noise for the spirit. It's just truly going to be a morning of worshiping. You remember back when we would say at this morning, hey, get up, welcome, and, and greet five people. Give them hugs or high fives. Some of you are like, man, we could do away with that, and that would be totally okay from here forward. We can't uh, hug, we can't high five, we can't shake hands with those around us. Not yet. But there is an individual who is begging for you to get close to him this morning. And I'm going to challenge you to open up your heart as we're in this series of this open heart surgery. Um, Get as close as you can to the Holy Spirit this morning and lift up your voice. We're glad you're here. said, my name is Darian. I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. If you guys would stand, uh, we're going to get started in worship. Church, let's sing this out together. I know. I know 
Well, I love, um, I love that song. I love that prayer. Just inviting Jesus into our hearts, inviting him into this morning. Uh, we know that he is moving. We know that he is amongst us. We know that he sends his spirit. And the thing uh, about him that is so true is that he is just so faithful. And so one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to introduce a new song to you guys. It's called Who You Say I Am. And one of the things uh, about uh, becoming a believer and understanding and knowing is knowing that you are a child of God knowing that he intentionally and purposefully gave his son willingly to die on the cross for us. And because of that, we are entered in, we enter in and we call, we call him father and he calls us children. And so that's what this song is talking about, understanding and knowing who you are in Christ. So if you know this song, sing out. If not, we're going to have the words on the screen, Uh, but let's sing out who you say I am. this to be true. Let's sing this out together. I 
told you. He's good. I work with middle school, high school, and college-age students. Labels are everything. And I remember we were doing this series, and I asked the students, I said, if you had a face-to-face conversation with Jesus, what's the first thing you think he would say to you? More than half thought he would be disappointed. He would point out flaws where they went wrong that right there, that's the first thing he would say, you're mine. You're my child. This was offered on a cross. And three days later, a stone was removed. So we have the opportunity to be with our Heavenly Father. The next few minutes, we're going to have communion, and this celebrates, it doesn't illustrate, it celebrates that body, that decision, that label, you are mine, you are my child. So in these next few minutes, as I go into another song, we've got tables all around this sanctuary. I encourage you, the juice, the bread, it should be a little different knowing that we are children of our Heavenly Father. Let us pray. God, in this world are so many labels. We're recognized by so many things in our life. But there's nothing more important than the label of being yours, your child, your children, your family. May that take on a new and more powerful meaning more than ever. In your name we pray, amen.
all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing Father, you're amazing. We love you. Yes, can grab a seat. Wow. Wow. Man, when I've been away, when I've been away, one time when I was gone this summer, and Ethan sent me a text about this weekend. He said, you know, because he's on this really cool thing he's doing in Chicago. They told you about in the video. And he said, I'm not going to be there on Sunday. And... But I got Darian to, to lead worship for us, and so I text back, why didn't you get someone who could sing? He thought I was serious for a minute. I, anyway, man, it has been great. It's been great to have some time off. Man, I loved, I loved Kevin's message last week on being grateful. Wasn't that awesome? Uh, <laughs> I love that you guys survived the brownout in this service whatever, and you stayed, uh, even when the power went out. Uh, I, I love that because I was, I was online watching and I'm like shaking my phone. Well, what happened? What happened? What happened? I'm ready. I'm, I'm about ready to start texting Wayne and Tom and go, what's going on? What's going on? And then they started texting me because they knew I was freaking out somewhere. So it was just, but I loved his message. I'm being grateful. And it's something I'm really, really working on. Here's what, here's something I want to do today. I want to ask you guys a question. And, and so I realized that social distancing and stuff, you're probably, well, theoretically, you're not supposed to be close to anybody that you're not related to. So it's going to stay within a, it's going to stay within a small circle of friends here. But I want you to tell the person sitting next to you, if there is someone sitting next to you, I want you to answer this question. What's the coldest you've ever been in your life? What's the coldest you ever remember being in your life? Tell the person next to you right now, real quick. And if you're watching on home, if you're online, type it in somewhere, okay? What's the coldest you've ever been in, in your life? In, in, in the winter of 1950-51, I wasn't here yet, some of you were, but in the winter of 1950-51 was the coldest winter on record in North Korea. And for 17 days, at the end of November and into December, the Battle of Choshin raged on in North Korea. There were 30,000 UN soldiers that were surrounded by 120,000 Chinese troops and that had been ordered to absolutely annihilate them. Lee Berge was part of the 1st Marine Division who spent those two and a half weeks in unimaginable conditions. Late, later in his life, in 1995, in an interview, he said this. He said, those long nights in a ditch or a foxhole with the thermometer hanging around 40 degrees below zero will long be remembered. The cold, he just, you can even feel this description in his words, the cold seeping through your clothing, and you just dreamed of being close to a roaring fire. 
you were always miserable. See, the Battle of Choshen is regarded by some historians as one of the most brutal battles in modern warfare by the violence, the casualty rate, the weather conditions, and the endurance. Here's some statistics about that battle. There were 25,473 in the 1st Marine Division that started the battle. 25,473. Of those 4,385 died in battle casualties, but 7,338 died of cold and exposure. That's nearly 12,000 out of just an original little over 25,000. Nearly half the people there died. And the others survived and, and finally were successfully evacuated against all odds at the time, both from battle and from weather. David Duncan was, was a former uh, reporter and photographer for Life magazine. He was there at Choshin taking pictures. And he asked as they, as they left the battle, as they, were, as they were moving out, he asked a Marine in the trenches if he had one wish, what would it be? If he had one wish, what would it be? I want you to think about that right now. In fact, I want you maybe to write it down. I want you to type it in your phone. Maybe tell your your spouse or whoever it is. If you have one wish right now, what would it be? What's that one thing? Maybe if you're watching at home online, we're glad you're with us. Type it in the comment bar. If you could wish for one thing right now, what would it be? That soldier thought for a moment, and here was his response to that question. What would be the what would be the one thing you would wish for? He said, "Give me tomorrow." Give me tomorrow. That response and the photograph became uh, defining of the brutal cultures of the Korean War. If you could have anything, what would it be? Give me tomorrow. You see, hope can be wishful thinking. It may come true, but in many cases, likely not. See, there's a difference between hope as a verb and hope as a noun, as we'll see as we walk through this. Sometimes when we're looking at hope as a verb, it's something that we're just, that we're just wishing for. But then there's, there's Christian hope. There's, there's Christian hope. I, I think Christian hope is, is a noun. It's, it's not something that you long for, yet you have no idea if it's really going to happen. But Christian hope is the absolute assurance that God will do what he said he will do. Now, we may not know how that plays out, but God will do what he said he will do. He always has done that, and that no matter what happens to us here, we have so much more to look forward to. It's, it's believing. Hope is believing without reservation that God will keep his promises. Now, we're in this series. We're in this series. We've been in all year focusing on Jesus, and we're in this mini-series that Bradley referred to, talking about how Jesus is the keeper of our heart, and hope remains a key element of our heart, of our, of our well-being, because without it, Life's pretty hard. Jesus is the keeper of our heart. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 15, in verse 13, he said, May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that, here's the cool part, here's the why. So that you may overflow with what? Hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus talks about this in, in the text we're in for today as we follow through. And we're in Luke chapter 17. If you want to get there in your Bibles or on your tablet or whatever, <clears throat> Luke chapter 17. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and at first glance, I, I'm just going to warn you. Some of you may have already read this, read ahead, gotten ahead. Uh, at first glance, when you look at this, some of these verses, if you just look at them just in passing, can seem kind of discouraging, more discouraging than hopeful. But here the main truth comes out. The main truth of this. In fact, I'm going to kind of give you a prelude to the bottom line right now. Jesus, Jesus is coming back. Did you catch that? Jesus is coming back. Okay. See, thank you. She's been with me. <laughs> See, we got to get past something here. Like, I've preached a bunch of places this summer, <clears throat> and a lot of the places I've preached this summer, 
I didn't have to say it was okay to respond. So can I just make a blanket statement now? It's okay to respond and that there are kind of appropriate responses when someone says Jesus is coming back. Okay. All right. Now I can preach. Okay. Because we all need hope. We all need hope. See, <coughs> excuse me. Here's what hope is essential for a meaningful life. You know what somebody said? Somebody said, I don't know who, in fact, I don't want to be the one that did this to did the statistical work on this, but somebody said you can survive 40 days without food. I'm not sure, but that's what I hear. All right. You can survive 40 days without food. You can survive eight days without water. You can survive four minutes without air, but you can't live a single second without hope. Uh, You can exist, but there's a difference between existing and living. And if we're going to live, we got to have hope. It's essential to meaningful life. Lack of hope, the lack of hope leads us to all kinds of bad places. Why do you think there's so many people driven to addictions today? Why do you think students will bring a gun to school and start shooting classmates? Why do so many men hit a midlife crisis and suddenly go off the deep end? Why does a woman give birth to a baby and then abandon the baby and let it die of neglect or even worse to abort the baby? Why is suicide the eighth leading cause of death in America? Because of a lack of hope. Because a lack of hope robs us of a meaningful life. Write this down somewhere. Tweet it out if you want, whatever. It is hope for the future that gives power to the present. I'll say that again. It is hope for the future that gives power to the present. And and, and hope is necessary. It's essential for a meaningful life. Second thing is false hope. Come it's really cool. And this week while Kim and I were away and we were just vacationing, one day she said, you got to come out here. I came out on the deck and we saw this albino squirrel. You've ever seen an albino squirrel? I mean, I'm talking about, you can see, a totally white albino squirrel. We saw it early in the week and it kept coming back because I kept feeding it. And it kept coming back. And, and, and we watched it. All the, and we were sitting there watching him. And once you saw him, you could not see him. Because his white fur bouncing around from tree to tree with the brown trees and the green, he stood out. Now, the brown squirrels that were there, you, sometimes you couldn't find. But the albino squirrel, he stood out in his environment. And we were talking about how blessed he was that he was still alive. Because he stood out in his environment. His white fur really made a difference. It was kind of unique. And there was an article that was written in 1994, actually in the Courier Journal. It was entitled The Beacon for Believers. And it told of this story about a white buffalo, about a white buffalo named Miracle that was born on a farm out in Wisconsin, I guess up in Wisconsin. Uh, and, and it drew thousands of spectators to see this unique white buffalo. And according to one Sioux medicine man, uh, the white buffalo was a symbol of hope and rebirth and unity. Star Wars was a obviously popular movie, many versions of it. But an editorialist in Time Magazine, when the when the first Star Wars came out, did an article about it, and he said that Star Wars gave us hope that good will triumph over evil. What do you think about that? Star Wars gave us hope, not this. Star Wars gave us hope. So here's the problem. See, false hope is worse than no hope because where are we finding hope? If our hope is in a white squirrel or a white buffalo, what happens when they die? Hope dies. And if our hope is is in an action movie, what happens when we realize it's not even real? It's made up. Then hope isn't real. Last thing we need to understand about why we all need hope is that hope is even more critical in the midst of any crisis like a pandemic, maybe. See, I, I think our world needs hope more now than ever in my lifetime. But we've needed hope before, right? We've needed hope before. We all need hope. In fact, if you're into like the social media game or whatever and you want a new hashtag, why don't you try this one, just the hope to cope? Because that's what we all need is we need hope to cope. It's really interesting. I was reading, I did a lot of reading this week, and I was reading, a friend of mine posted something. It was some CDC statistics about the pandemic and what's going on. And the thing that was most interesting to me about the statistics, it showed 
and showed all different age ranges, you know, from, from teens and 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and all of it. the last range was 65 and older, all right? So I know that would apply to, to some of you guys that are in here today. Here was the interesting thing I saw in that. It was comparing, it was comparing the fear factor, the fear factor of every one of those age ranges to the actual fatality rate in every one of those age ranges. And do you know the only age range where the fatality rate was actually higher than the fear factor was 65 and older. And the others weren't even close. In fact, when you looked at the fear factor range, the fear factor range was almost even all the way across. Now, the actually 65 and older actually did have the highest fear factor range, but it was actually lower than the actual fatality range. Every other one, it's like 50, 60% to actual fatality rate of one or two or 5%. It was amazing to me. And I said, why? What? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to the people that should be the most fearful don't seem to be. They're the only ones that aren't as fearful as the actual reality. And then I thought of this. They've been there before. Because you see, that generation, they survived the Korean War. They survived Vietnam and Iraq and Iran. They survived the desperation of a country through the assassination of John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King. They survived, they've seen and survived multiple recessions. They've seen and survived planes flying into buildings. Do you realize that there is a generation that is making voting today, that is moving into that era, that didn't see planes fly into buildings they never experienced that firsthand, and so they don't understand that. And, but that older generation, they've seen and survived 70 years of life, plus they have a framework. They have a reference for hope. See, in the Old Testament, Samuel, in 2 Samuel chapter 22, David, is taught, David has, has seen God's faithfulness in delivering him from all his enemies, including Saul, and, and even from his own moral failures. And David said this, he said, to the faithful God, you have shown yourself faithful and to the blameless you have sown yourself blameless so established that that was all groundwork all right now we're getting ready to do the sermon okay and you guys are panicking no we're going to get through all right because we just need to decide that we all need hope right can we all agree we all need hope all right so what's the reality of hope look at this cartoon look at this this cartoon it, 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 I, the lines i couldn't find a better but it, it's lucy and linus and in the first one she says boy look at it because that's all the rain is falling okay boy look at it rain what if the what if it floods the whole world and linus says it will never do that in the ninth chapter of genesis god promised noah that would never happen again and the sign of the promise is the rainbow and lucy says wow you've taken a great load off my mind and linus says yeah sound theology has a way of doing that where are you finding your hope? Where are you finding your hope? And here's why we need to, the reality of hope is we all need to be faithful. Write that down. We all need to be faithful because hope begins with surrender to the king. Surrender to the king. Look in our text now in Luke chapter 20, verse, Luke, Luke chapter 17, verse 20. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the, king, uh, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is already in your midst. Once again, Jesus hears in this discussion with an audience that's a combination of two unique groups the disciples and the Pharisees, the disciples that are truly trying to follow Jesus and the Pharisees that actually wanted to tell Jesus the rules because they knew the rules of the kingdom. <coughs> you know the saddest thing about Pharisees? They knew the rules to the kingdom, but they didn't know the ruler of the kingdom. It's interesting that the Pharisees are asking about a kingdom which would include a king. They were looking for a king that would bring them hope. The Jewish people were looking for a king that would bring them hope. In our world, that would be maybe a, a president or a leader. Guys, listen to me very carefully. If you're looking for moral hope in a president or any elected leader, you're looking in the wrong place. That's not where it's found. See, kings and presidents are called to rule the land within the guidance of that land. They're, they're called to rule with laws of the land. But Jesus Christ rules with the rules of God. 
And, and that's why he's referred to as the king of kings. He is the king of all kings. He's the king of all presidents. He's the king of all leaders. He is the one that is our moral authority and where we find our real hope. That's why Jesus is the one we need to follow. But our hope begins with surrender, being faithful and surrender to the king. Be faithful. Second thing, and these are going to go quick, I promise you. Not only be faithful, but, but be discerning. We, we talked about discernment a, a few weeks ago. But, but here, once again, we want to talk about be discerning because the discernment is necessary because hope guards true hope. Hope in Jesus guards against false teaching. Look, look starting in verse 22 in, in Luke 17, it says, Then he said to his disciples, See, the time is coming. Notice the first question. No, I want to stop there. Notice the first question came from the Pharisees, right? Back in verse 20, if you remember that? The question came from the Pharisees. He responded to the Pharisees. Now here in verse 22, he responds to the disciples. He said, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of, the days of, the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is or here he is. Don't go running after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by his generation. See, one of the things that alarms me the most, you can get ready because I don't, I don't know exactly, and so I'm not aiming at any person or any set of toes, but I keep hearing people say things like, all that's going on means that Jesus is coming. The world is coming to an end. Well, that's been the case since he left. Okay? And if we're putting a bunch of eggs in a basket that's not legitimized, yeah, he's coming. And it might be like before I get done. Okay? But if we're wasting our time worrying about current events and saying, I'm trying to figure this out, we're missing the point of living. At that point, you are just existing and you're not living. You're worrying about the wrong things. Some of you guys, how many of you in here know C.S. Lewis? Not personally, but you read his stuff. You like C.S. Lewis, right? A lot of people do. C.S. Lewis said this in 1948. Get this, 1948. So think timeline, 1948. Well, we were right at the end of what? World War II, okay? C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, Do not let us begin exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all who you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bombs were invented, or COVID-19, by the way, and quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. I'm not sure what pleasant is, but anyway, unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. Um, but we, have, we, have, we still have that. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of a painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all but a certainty. C.S. Lewis wrote that in 1948. Nineteen forty, before most of us in this room were even born, C.S. Lewis wrote that. Do you remember Edgar Wysant? Uh, you should, maybe not by name, but he's the guy that wrote the pamphlet, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Occur in 1988. And he, he outlined, many people believed his predictions, that Jesus was coming back on September 10th, 11th, or 12th. He couldn't be certain. <laughs> the 10th, 11th, or 12th in 1988. And some were not only disappointed, but had foolishly sold all their possessions and abandoned their responsibilities, expecting Jesus to come one of those three days. And Jesus is simply saying here in our text today to the disciples, put your hope in me. Put your hope in me. What did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Put your hope in me. Just before his ascension, Jesus was asked again by his disciples. He, he's already raised from the dead. He's getting ready to go back. To, and, and they're still saying, is this it? <laughs> is this it? Is this what it's going to really, is this going to be? And Jesus is like, come on, guys. It's not for you to know the times, the dates that the Father is set by his own authority. You see, it, here's write this down. If you get hung up on the when, if you get hung up on the when, you're going to miss the why. If you get hung up on the when, you're going to miss the why. 
You get hung up on when Jesus is coming back, you're going to forget why he's coming back. He's not coming back just to take you out of your situation. He's coming back to take his bride, the church, to be with the Father forever. That's why he's coming back. Thank you. That, I was going to say, that might have been one of those times. No, that might have been one of those times. All right, the third thing, i got to move. i got to keep moving. i got 12 minutes, all right? Be prepared, all right? Be faithful, be discerning, be prepared. See, hope stays alert, stays alert for Christ's return. Now, while we don't need to focus about the when, we do need to focus on being ready. Because if we're ready, it doesn't matter when. Did you catch that? If we are ready, the when takes care of itself. It really doesn't matter. There is hope in that. It's like telling the truth. You know the best part of telling the truth? You know what the best part of telling the truth is? You don't have to remember what you told anybody. Because you told them all the same thing. And the same principle applies here. If you're ready, it doesn't matter when. If you figured out the why, it doesn't matter when he comes. You're ready for him to come. So now look back at our text, verse 26. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up the day of Noah entered the ark. Did you catch what he's saying? He's like, until the door closed... People had been hearing for 100 years what was going to happen, and they didn't care. They were doing them. They were just, I'm doing me. And then when the door closed, suddenly they cared. They hadn't figured out the why, so the wind really got them off guard. All right? And it says, then the flood came and destroyed them all. And then he used another analogy. He said it was the same way in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. You see, the examples of Noah and Lot that he gives here are are interesting because they have several similarities to each other and, I think, to our world today. The first similarity we got between the stories of Noah and Lot in the Old Testament it is that they're just living for that moment in time. The people, they were just living for that moment in time. That was all they cared about. I don't care about, you know, a flood that's coming. I don't care about a destruction. I'm just doing me. I'm just, they're just living for that moment in time. The second similarity between those is that, in general, most of the people were doing incredibly evil stuff. They're doing incredibly evil stuff. The prophet Ezekiel said that that, that the people of Sodom were were arrogant, overindulgent, and selfish. Sounds kind of like Facebook to me. And thirdly, in both cases, God's judgment was swift and certain. See, I think we need to make the comparisons today because I think in our world today, there's a lot of us, a lot of us, because don't, don't just say them, a lot of us, a lot of Christians, that when it comes down to it, and the reality is, and, and Christians around the world may be showing up for worship today, but they're still living for themselves. There's a lot of people in the world that would, would, would say, that would wear the title, they might even have a tattoo that says they're a Christian, but a lot of what they're doing is really evil stuff. And God's judgment in return is going to be the same. It's certain, and it's going to be swift. And so it comes back, we've got to know the why. Because if we know the why and we're doing the why, the wind doesn't matter. The wind takes care of itself. And hope stays alert for Christ's return. Go on down in the text in verse 31, because Jesus explains this a little bit more. He says, on that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside, should go down to get them. Like, oh, Jesus coming. Wait a minute. Let me go get my purse. Let me go get my cell phone. Let me go get my whatever. He says, don't do that. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? Remember whoever tries to keep, remember Lot's wife, by the way? After being told not to, she turned around to see what was behind her, and it didn't end well. Let's just leave it at that. He said, you just got to go. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. Here's the application for us today. Jesus did say that when he returned, people would not be concerned with spiritual matters and following God, and his return would be swift, and people would be caught off guard. We need to be ready. Be prepared. So be faithful, be discerning, be prepared, and finally, it's time to be contagious. 
That is a terrible word these days, isn't it? We are terrified about being contagious today. And the problem is, I think we're just as terrified about being contagious for Christ as we are being contagious with a virus. Because if we weren't, if we weren't, the gospel of Jesus Christ would have already exploded. If we weren't terrified by it, about being contagious, it would be exploding in the midst of a pandemic because in a time when the world needs hope more than anything else, that's the time to be contagious. That's the time to share the hope of Jesus Christ. Hope belongs to those who belong to Christ. You know, we need to be contagious enough to say, I got that virus. I got that virus. And you don't need a mask. In fact, you don't want a mask. You want to get as close to me as you can get to me because I got the virus that you need that's going to take you where you need to go eternally. We've got to have that kind of hope. Jesus said in verse 34, I tell you that on that night, two people will be in one bed. <laughs> one will be taken and the other. Butch Dabney was one of the original elders in Southeast. His son Bob's a friend of mine. Butch used to say, that's why my wife and I sleep in different beds. That way we can both go. <laughs> two women will be grinding grain and one will be taken and the other left. Gang, here's the deal. That description is kind of scary. So where's the hope? It's a good news, bad news situation. Because the bad news is the world is becoming increasingly wicked. But the good news is the wickedness of the world alerts us that Christ's coming is getting closer and closer. And yet somebody asked me, is, do you think the coming of Christ is closer? Yes, with each passing day. That's the best I can tell you. With each passing day. And those who have foolishly ignored Jesus' second coming, they're going to be condemned. That's bad news. That's bad news. But those who have trusted Christ and surrendered to his lordship, they're going to be saved. That's good news, amen? That's good news. You, you see, let's finish this up. Just like the albino squirrel outside of our condo really stood out against the brown and the green trees, just like a brilliant diamond really sparkles against a black velvet cloth, we need to stand out in the same way, to stand out with a message of hope, to stand out to where people can't miss it, to stand out where people see that there hope, that there is hope, and that his name is Jesus. Because you see, here's what's going on in our world. We live in a world of people that are grasping for any measure of hope they can find. That's why they put needles in their arms. That's why they drink certain things. That's why they watch certain things. They're looking for hope any place that they can find it. They're just looking for any hope, but what they're finding is just when they think they got it, it gets yanked away. You ever felt like your life could be described by the you almost had it guy? <laughs> it was right there. I thought that was it. <laughs> I thought that was it. And just when I reached for it, it got yanked away. Friends, hope in Jesus is the only thing in life that you can really bank on and that won't get yanked away. I told you at the beginning of the message this morning, that soldier who was asked, if you could wish for one thing, what would it be? And he said, what? Give me tomorrow. Just give me tomorrow. When we go on vacation, I've told you this before, we like to play golf, and, and we actually get to play golf a couple times this week. We like to hike, and we did a couple three-mile hikes. <laughs> We just get a couple three-mile hikes, and they're on narrow pass. I've got pictures I want to show you, but they're on narrow pass. She always leads because I'm not really sure I'm going to make it. And, and so she always leads, and I'm following. She'll always, like, ask over her shoulder. And so the, so the day after I finished writing this, Friday, we're on this three-mile hike. We climbed 40. I've got this thing on my watch that tells me how many floors you climb in a day. On that three-mile hike, we climbed 48 floors. Do I look like I can climb 48 floors? And she turned around and, and she's talking a bazillion miles a minute, all right? And she's just like thinking and talking. And she turns around and she says, what do you think? And I said, give me tomorrow. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking. That's all I'm thinking. And the truth is nobody can promise you tomorrow except Jesus. So here's what occurred to me. Tomorrow is certain. Today doesn't have to be. If tomorrow is certain, today doesn't have to be. That's the bottom line. If tomorrow is certain, today doesn't have to be. And tomorrow is certain because of Jesus Christ. God, I just pray in the powerful name of Jesus.
that you'll help us to have hope, hope in the midst of a world that, that is crumbling all around us. But it's been doing that. It's been doing that, God, since Genesis chapter 3. Why are we so surprised? And so, God, in the midst of a world that's crumbling, I pray that you would give us hope. I pray that you would give us personal hope so that we can be assured of our salvation, that we can be certain that you are coming back, and that we can stand out against the world, that we can stand out like a diamond against a black velvet, that we can stand out like a white squirrel that you just can't miss, that we can stand out and that we can share a message of hope with a world that needs to hear. God, I pray that, and I pray that if there's one person here today that needs to accept that hope, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you'll give them the courage to do that today, in the powerful name of Jesus. Jesus, we all pray together. Amen. Would you guys stand with me? The guys are going to lead us in another song. Jason's down here at the front. Kim's down here. Terry's back there. We got people that pray with you. If you need to take a step toward Jesus, why don't you do it right now? Let's worship together. Let's do this right now. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great. real quick, one more announcement. It may apply to you. that we got family service at 10 o'clock right after this in addition to what's in here. Family service and moms and dads and kids, early childhood and elementary age over in the gym. But today uh, we're rolling out one more new thing, kind of trying to get back into rhythm. And so at 1130 today, uh, we will have our first element of children's ministry uh, for early childhood and elementary. And so there'll be groups at 1130 today and that's moving forward. So we're, what we're trying to do is just one new thing kind of every couple weeks and just make sure we do it right and do it safe. We got three driving forces, three driving forces, glorify God in everything we do, glorify God in everything we do. And, and, and absolutely glorify God. And we think the church needs to be together. So that's why we're doing this. But we're doing the second thing is be safe. We need to be together, but we want to be safe and we want to be good neighbors to our community. And so that's, that's how we're making these decisions along the way. And I got to say, because I know you, here's the deal. It's not just Darian. Man, I, when he told me you were coming, brother, you did the best national anthem I've ever heard in Rough Arena. Ever, ever, ever. And I've been to a lot of games in Rough Arena. So, man, but it's not just Darian. Kisa, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. TJ, back in the cage. Thanks for being here. And Austin, thanks for coming home, man. Thanks for coming home. All right. And you guys, oh, that's, that's Ethan's dad, Jerry. He plays with us a lot. And Doc and Todd, we're just glad you guys are still alive, still with us. All right. 
Hey, man, it's been an awesome day. Get out of here. Let's go make a difference in the world.